So in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, that we've been reading the last several weeks in our series about the armor of God, verse 14 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Welcome, friends, to the Totally Transformed podcast. Uh, We are continuing our series today on the armor of God, and we've gotten to the piece that is the breastplate of righteousness, and we're going to focus on that today. I'm Lance Borden. Uh, My mom is Dr. Connie Borden, and she's here with me as well. How are you doing today, Mom? Very well. Good good afternoon, morning, or evening when you're listening to this to all of our... Whatever it is, because it's all three of those at different places right. on the globe. That's right. Which is, uh, which is always interesting. I know it's common sense. So we've now that we figured out that the world isn't flat in the last several hundred years, but <laughs> Good news. it's still a very, uh, neat concept to think about, especially when you travel and you find that, wait a minute, I'm awake and everybody back home is asleep. Right. Travel internationally. That <laughs> is, um, so the breastplate of righteousness, you know, this armor of God series is significant. Um, you were telling me today about someone that you had been talking to that really, they were a believer. I think as you told me, they are a believer, but they really didn't have any idea about spiritual warfare and, um, spiritual warfare is, is significant because we have a real enemy. Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour doesn't like us. In fact, he hates our guts. He wants us to die. He wants us six feet under so we can stop any type. So he can stop us from having any type of impact for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And he's not going to sit idly by while our lives are changed and our families are changed and the generations are changed because of our walk with Jesus. It's so exciting um, when you can enlighten anybody, a Christian, of course, has to be a Christian to understand what we're saying here on what we're talking about today. And you find so often in my work, people that have been Christians all their life, as you said, and the enemy is beating them up physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, financially. And I'm not saying we all don't have some of those trials and tribulations in those areas as Christians, as people that live in this fallen world. But we have come up, or at least I think we have, with the fact, which you have to receive by faith, that through Christ, he restored us to the promised land. You know, we know when the children of Israel went into the promised land, they weren't talking, they were not talking, or the scripture was not talking about heaven, because they had giants in the land. So the same thing, you know, Adam and Eve were in an environment of complete blessing, no problem, until Satan came Paradise. Along. All right, so then they went into everything in the Bible up to going into the promised land, and, and some entered because they didn't grumble and complain and go around the mountain for 40 years in a nine-day journey, and some did not enter. But today we have the understanding, can have the understanding that that's where we can live, There are giants in the land, same thing, if you want to call the giants the attack of the enemy, and we can overcome them through things like our our spiritual weapons, one of which we're talking about today, all of which is in that passage, and many other things like worship, praise, prayer, meditating on scripture, to be equipped so the giants or Satan in the demonic realm do not completely 
win over you. So you may be going to heaven if you're saved, but you may not be successful in being fruitful or even joyful, being able to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, uh, which is what Ephesians uh, 6.12, verse 12 says. And so, you know, it's so easy with our physical eyes to get our, to get caught up in the physical realm and what's in front of us and, you know, the struggle we may face with other human, other people, other humans, other people in our lives. But the real battle is spiritual. And that's why this armor is so significant because it goes without saying, I think, that without the armor, you're exposed. Well, and I I do so much relational counseling and I find that people have the inability when they're reactionary reactionary, more emotion than the situation calls for, and you're not handling it. Responding, you have emotion for the situation, but you're handling it. It's not that we don't have emotion. Emotion was given to us. In fact, we define it as a part of the soul, the mind that has three functions, thinks, imagines, and remembers. What you, ever, what you set your will, which is part of the soul, to think, imagine, and remember will affect your emotions, okay? So I do so much relational counseling where people can't do what you just said. They can't look at the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness behind whatever they're being presented in a relationship to come against that in the demonic realm, and they react to the flesh and blood. Mm. And that's really... Uh, where none of us have achieved success in all of that ultimate success, ultimate yeah. success, but it is the truth. Right. And when you get to that mindset with your eyes or remind yourself of that, and you start praying not only with the equipping of the warfare, uh, equipping of the armor for warfare, but with the spiritual authority we have in Luke four nineteen, I believe it is, but I'll look that up. Um, that says we're given all delegated authority. It might be 1019. Yeah, 1019. I always want to say four. All delegated authority over the enemy. And we start praying that way. We find that we have less relational conflict because the enemy is working through people to try to basically upset your apple cart. Mm -hmm. So when you have those eyes to see where the battle's coming from, you get less angry at people. You can be angry at Satan. Please be angry at Satan right. uh, for all his dirty work and deeds and evilness against everybody in the world um, and his plan to destroy anything that Jesus is about. But nonetheless, you're on the upper upper plane of offense of warfare mm-hmm. because you have eyes to see. You right? know, it strikes me based on what you just said there that if we can approach our day-to-day with two perspectives. One is like you just said that we're fighting in a spiritual battle and that the people that may be coming against us are potentially acting on behalf of uh, the enemy, but also with the perspective of grace that we have been given so much grace for all of our shortcomings. Right. So even if the person is wrong in their reaction, um, we can extend or should extend the same grace that Jesus has extended to us, not, not, you know, crucify them with bad, bad, bad term. Cause no one has ever ultimately yeah. experienced what Jesus experienced with paying for sin and the physical crucifixion, but not want to destroy them, I guess, 
for their for the for the speck in their eye when we've got a beam in our eye or disunify with them you know be angry mad uh, walk in the fruit of the flesh because what we've realized and what we remind ourselves of every day is that any christian can be oppressed uh, not possessed, but oppressed by the enemy. And I think it's directly proportional from my experience in what we've been called to do and hundreds of clients now in my own life, that when you're wounded, you are more vulnerable to the spirits of the demonic realm. First uh, um, Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power and love of a sound mind. So that that's the one scripture I've learned that that names an oppressive thing like fear, but it can be anger or anything as a spirit. There's probably many more in the word. So God has not given that to you. So when you realize that even Christians can be oppressed as they're going through sanctification and growth and maturity by the demonic realm, and I think it's directly proportional, as I just said, to how uh, healed you are from past wounds of rejection, which cause fear, anger, anxiety, all the fruit of the flesh, cause you to walk there until you realize that somebody rejected you, hurt you, and when you're hurt in the past, you know, children are, are Satan's choices, victims. We become vulnerable to Satan's lies, and we don't have the cognitive and spiritual maturity to say, oh, that person rejected me and hurt me or did something that really scared me when I had a childlike mind. I don't have to walk in that the rest of my life. I can heal from that rejection because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and set at liberty those that are bound. I can break that stronghold, whatever it is, and I can start believing in the love of God because perfect love casts out fear. But that is a process. I mean, I've been through a lifetime process of that, a lot of healing in my 20s, 30s, literally a lifetime process. And that's what I deliver to my clients because if Satan can't get you through being wounded and weak on the inside where we can't see and be oppressed by demonic spirits, and he can't get you through chronic sin without repentance because of this piece of the armor, we've accepted the blessed breastplate of righteousness. It's not by works of righteousness we have done. And this is really important to listen to because there's a lot of confusion here. It's not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy, we are saved. It's a gift. We can't earn it. At the same time, once we're saved and we get to use that breastplate, we want to pursue holiness and righteousness because we can walk in Satan's camp If you do that chronically without repentance, you're going to develop strongholds and then you're going to be defeated because he's going to be speaking to you and you're in a sinful, uh, like Paul said, so wretched man that I am, I sin when I don't want to, I don't sin when I do, or, you know, it's, he said the opposite there. Did I say that? I sin when I don't, well, well, he says, paraphrase, I sin when I don't want to. And then I, I, I don't sin when I do want to. When I do, let's see, I sin when I don't want to. And when I don't want to sin, I sin, I think is what what the two sides of that are. And he said, wretched man that I am. This is in Romans five, six, and seven, somewhere in there, if you want to look it up. Bottom line is he said, so what do I do? Sin just to uh, exercise the grace of God? Of course not. Of course not, I don't choose to sin, but because of the sinful nature we were born with and we were walking out in sanctification, though there's no temptation taken to man, 
that can overcome them, that God has not given them the grace to escape it. Grace is the ability to do in the supernatural what you can't do in the natural. We still choose sin sometimes. And I think it's directly related to being poked into a wound that's already there. If you put a knife in a physical wound, you're going to really react. If you put a knife in your arm that has no wounds, you're going to react. It's going to hurt, but you're not going to overreact with the enmity and strife of the fruit of the flesh. So that's where I think we're we're missing because we have this invisible soul, heart on the inside, and then people that are walking out strongholds of anger, fear, anxiety, pride. I mean, just put anything in there. And it's, it looks like, you know, they just lead with that, uh, or you see it occasionally, potentially have a hurt or a wound or a memory of something that made them fearful that they're carrying on into their present life or anxious or angry about that they haven't resolved. Okay. So we can have that breastplate of righteousness and be saved, but still have the soul man that's being sanctified because we're instantly saved, justified, we're instantly glorified, but it's a lifetime of sanctification. Right? Yeah. And I, and I want to say something specifically about pursuing righteousness, mm-hmm. but it's Romans seven eighteen through 20 that okay. we were talking about. It says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature for I yeah. have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep undoing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. That's down through verse 24. Why but even we need there, the armor, right? Yeah, <laughs> even there he's talking about the the, the struggle, the, the warfare yes, that we're absolutely. in the midst of, hence the need for armor. And we're talking about Paul, yeah. the greatest apostle ever. He was saved. Well, he said he was chief among sinners, right? Uh, yeah, Before but, he, but was he was saved, saved right? here yep. in this passage in Romans. Yep. But he struggles with the same thing we do, and he comes out on the side, obviously, with his great fruit, of pursuing righteousness because he's been made righteous, though there's that struggle he so eloquently espouses in yeah. those passages, right. right? Pursuing righteousness. So, um, you know, what what is righteousness? What is the concept of righteousness? You know, why is it important? I think it's helpful when wanting to define or, or looking for the definition of a concept in the Bible is to see how it's defined in other scripture. Right. Um, so for example, Matthew six thirty three, my life first seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There's a seeking that must take place in pursuing righteousness. Like you just said a few minutes ago, righteousness imputed to us when we're saved and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised from the dead, God raised him from the dead we will be saved. And at that, in that moment of faith, we are given uh, righteousness. But there's also a pursuit of righteousness that Matthew six thirty three talks about, meaning that it isn't automatically pursued, right? right. There's an action involved. Choice of your will. A choice of our will to pursue right. it after salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, another place in scripture we find it is James five sixteen. 
that says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, meaning that when we're righteous and you know, when, when we're righteous and we are in prayer, our prayers are effective. And, you know, you could say, well, if I'm saved, I'm righteous and therefore my prayers are effective. I, I'm, I wouldn't argue with that. But I think also when we are pursuing righteousness, um, I just think it, it, it goes with it that God, you know, the, the Bible says that he, he searches throughout the earth looking for hearts that are turned towards him. Uh, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law meditate he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that yields its fruit in season. So that in a, you know that passage, again, is describing a righteous life, like action being taken to memorize and meditate on the word of God day and night, not walking in the way of sinners or sitting in the sea of the scornful, because we all have a willful choice to make. We all have a choice to make even after salvation on where we're going to sit and where we're going to stand and what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. You and, have hit, and there's a choice yeah, to be made there. You yeah. have hit such a huge nail on the head in James, <clears throat> excuse me, five sixteen. The effect, the effectual fervent prayers of righteous men availeth much because our job here for any destruction around us, whether it's individual family, the country, whatever you want to say, the world is to pray the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. If my people that are called by my name, second Chronicles seven fourteen, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. Because a sister verse to James five sixteen is Psalm sixty eight eighteen. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayers. When David was confronted by Nathan the prophet because he had committed adultery and murder, he realized that the Holy Spirit had lifted from him because he was walking in sin, mm. chronically maybe, or in his thoughts at least, until he acted it out. And he must repent and have a contrite heart, or he will not. He he. It was like a, not a begging, but imploring, Lord, don't Good lift mercy. your Holy Spirit yeah. from me. Bring your mercy, which a contrite heart, the word says, God will never despise. Well, that happened in the in the stories of the kings in the in the Old Testament as well, where they would, they would they would be experiencing the judgment of God, right. and then they would go to Him, right. tear their clothes, and and basically repent, and God would uh, stay His hand of judgment. But my exhortation today in my heart is, if you want to see the sin. Where sin abound, grace the more abounds, the word says. If you want to see people saved and set free from woundedness or, or sin or whatever their problem is, you know, divorce, whatever's going on, it seems like our heart would be, Lord, keep my heart pure. Don't let me, who know spiritual, knows spiritual warfare and uh, appreciates your righteousness as a gift, but wants to pursue righteousness, which I think a synonym for righteousness is holiness, basically to be like God. And when you miss it, which, you know, being like God, again, is a lifetime process. We'll never achieve that, but we can achieve a perfect heart, which we're not walking in sin that we know of without repentance, because there's sins of commission and omission. And we're not trying to guard our heart with walls because we've been wounded and we have these strongholds of 
of uh, fear, anxiety, anger, whatever that we're walking in that also separates us from God until we repent. You know, there's no continuum of sin. We tend to put, you know, adultery and murder on a continuum. But I'd like to define sin as separation from God, like David did. If there's anything that's barrier that you're trying to protect your own heart or your own self or from other people or whatever, um, and we all walk in some of these things based on the fact of the breakdown of the home, church, and school, Satan got in. It's not our fault, but it becomes our responsibility to look at that so our heart is clear. You know, this is Matthew 13, which I was reading my article again that I wrote in 1991, and we revised it in 2007, I believe it was. So comprehensive, praise the Lord, about the heart. And out of the heart comes the issues of life. It's got to be clear. It can't be a self-protection for yourself with a wall. It can't be walking in chronic sin without repentance. And my biggest concern is that we've lost our power of not only intercession, but just our power of the gifts and walking in the miracles of God because we are walking potentially in chronic sin without repentance and not pursuing righteousness and holiness where God falls in anointing and wisdom and we can all walk in more of the gifts, the, the miracles. You know, I was reading that article that I sent you the other day and it said Jesus was saying, look, don't worry about those people that can kill your body. Worry about those people that can kill your body and soul in hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just jumped out at me like it was neon lights. In other words, your soul, your mind that thinks, imagines, remembers your will and emotions is vulnerable to Satan. Your spirit has been hidden with Christ if you're saved. But this renegade part, if you want to say, the soul, the, the mind is the devil's workshop, as the saying goes, is subject to the demonic realm as well as the Godhead. And if you give in to the demonic realm, your spirit won't be strengthened. It'll affect your thinking and your actions and your body because Third John 2 says we prosper and we're in health as our soul prospers. And it will affect your effectiveness to pray against Satan and for people that are bound up in him or just the problems of the world or however you want to say that. You know, yeah. you're just not seeing it clearly. Right. Or you don't even care, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, what can I do? Pray. Right. <laughs> That's the best thing you can do, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my concern is that there's, there's not a call to pursue righteousness and holiness as well as a call to be saved. After we're saved. I know if we're saved, we're in the boat and we're going to heaven. If you really repent and confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness, um, and I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But if you then get saved, you know, this is a uh, mentality of some of the bigger denominations. I don't need to name any. I can be in the church and go sin and come and repent, go sin and repent, go sin and repent. And if you do that, if that's your mentality like you just read in about Paul, you're not going to be effective. My concern is you might backslide because I think that's in the word that you can backslide. Yeah. And then I'm not the judge about who makes it and who doesn't, but I am a discerner yeah. about who can be effective and who isn't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Um, I, I think there's two key words um, that I want to just focus on briefly here in that verse 14 of Ephesians 6. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Yeah. In place are those two words that I just wanted us not to miss. Because to me, that also denotes action. Yeah. And it also means to me that the opposite can be true. The breastplate of righteousness can be out of place or not in place. And again, I think that denotes that there is action required on our part to make sure. Well, I think there's a couple things. One, I think it's important that we're praying through the armor of God and putting it on in prayer time in our devotional time with the Lord, literally going through the pieces, literally meaning like in our prayer uh, of putting them on. Um, but also I, I, I think it denotes that righteousness is important to have it in place in our lives. And, um, like everything that we just said. Uh, so I just wanted to focus on the in place part of it and a recognition that it's not automatic. So, so as you are saying, it is a gift if we're saved, but what you're saying, we can deny the gift almost almost in our outworking in our life by not pursuing it. And, and I, I would just like to ask you, what is the indication in my life and your life? What, what are we looking for? Because we're supposed to use the word to convict ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. All the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. We so look what, at are the, it what are the indications that the breastplate of righteousness is not in place? What can we look for? Well, I think, think fruit fruit are we experiencing okay. fruit producing in our lives yeah um are we experiencing the blessing of the lord yeah and that doesn't have to mean uh financial blessing it doesn't right. have to mean a certain type of prospering uh and being in health even as your soul prospers but i think there's a general feel that we get in our lives of are we walking in the, the the provision of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord is he is our youth renewed like the eagles because um, the Lord has renewed our strength uh, as we wait upon him. Um, are we experiencing God? Um, I, I think if the answer to that is I don't know or flat no, then there might be something out of place. The beauty is that it's available. It's no, you are not disqualified unless you choose not to pursue what God has for you through seeking him first and going after him and pursuing him in prayer and the word and in worship and inviting him into every aspect of your life. It's when he gets put on the periphery on the outside. Um, and I'm just going to sample God here and there and, you know, check the box that we get into trouble and I think stop experiencing that, that blessing of the Lord. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have trial and tribulation because that's promised in Matthew 16, It's almost guaranteed as a result of righteous living that you're going to have trial and tribulation. Because why? Jesus is trying to teach us to be an overcomer. Right. We're also guaranteed persecution if you're bearing any fruit. Correct. And you're also guaranteed discipline. I believe I was talking to a family that's, 
really in a lot of trouble right now. And their life just keeps, I mean, major things are happening all around them. And I think, you know, this is another level of discernment. You can't just say this about everybody. I'm just saying about this situation. God's trying to get their attention. If your children are not obedient and you can't get their attention and you say, do this, and they don't do it, and then you give them a warning or two or three because they're children, right? Mm -hmm. Finally, you have to get their attention through some sort of discipline. And I believe sometimes God's trying to get people's attention because their life is falling apart. And he wants them to be intimate so they can have the weapons of their warfare to win if Satan is coming to kill, steal, and destroy their life, because he always is, according to John 10.10, so they can overcome him. But the bottom line is many people, because they don't know what we're talking about today, and we all need to remind each other and exhort each other and freshen up on it, that we he is they're walking in a defeated mode when they were given righteousness as a gift and they can walk in the breastplate of righteousness and God will bless you. And if you are in jams, so to speak, that we all have been in and will be in through life or downtime, like you just so eloquently said, press into the Lord, press into the word, press into your loved ones, press into other people that walk as an ordinary sinner like you, not a fool that you can't correct or not a evil person, according to Dr. Dan Allender, three categories of people. They're ordinary sinners saved by grace, and they may have some uh, insight for you because the Lord wants you to walk in victory. He has come to give you life Mm. and life more abundantly, according to John 10.10. So that's the biggest strategy of the enemy, to get you so down that you don't realize that, to get you so down that you're not walking in the weapons of your warfare, to get you so down over trial, tribulation, persecution, or discipline that you just don't care to walk in righteousness or you don't think God is real. All lies. I mean, with all my clients, we go over a lie chart. What are the lies you are believing either from your former wounds or from what Satan's speaking to you or people of the world that you're listening to in different venues of communication? You know, think about what you're thinking about. Who is speaking to you? Recognize Satan and rebuke him and resist the appropriate spirit. Recite the word and rejoice as the five hours of victory to your thought life. That is important because you know you drive a lot. I don't drive so much anymore. But you can be driving down the street and thinking, 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 thinking. Never thinking what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I like to do is say, okay, if my mind's on automatic, I'm just going to automatically put the word in there. And I don't do this 24-7 so that nobody can attack my mind. And I'm developing a neural pathway of righteousness, according to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, right? Yeah, right. That's a discipline, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd much rather listen to the radio or yeah. talk radio or, and, you know, nothing wrong with any of that. I'm just saying we have to be diligent because he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And some of us have more time than others. There was a time in my life when I was so busy, I couldn't even hardly find time to have a devotional, which is another discipline. And when you were saying, I just want to say something, when you were saying that, you know, sometimes morning, noon and night all over the world, people were talking about that's why the Bible can uh, say, pray without ceasing, as the Lord showed me one time, because people are praying in the morning, the evening, and the afternoon all over the world. Collectively, we can yeah, pray without ceasing. Yeah. But you can't pray without ceasing in your ordinary life, 24 yeah. hours. You can't meditate on the scriptures. To me, that's an attitude of your heart, though, too, yeah. is, 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 is my focus 
on set on the Lord on things above, not on earthly things, such that Good I do take the pauses throughout the day. I do shut off the radio to yeah. engage with the Lord. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it's, it, I do seek the Lord mm-hmm. first yep. as your life verse. Yeah. It's just a, it's a practice. It's an MO. Oh, I have a decision to make. Well, I got to go seek the Lord whether I can, yeah, right. what we should do. We just don't step out yeah. in ourselves. And if we do, uh, I've had experiences where I was led by the Lord and didn't step out over fear or was not led by the Lord and stepped out. Those things don't work out too well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we right. learn from They become stepping stones, hopefully, right. and not tombstones. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, let's pray and um, and and ask the Lord for help in implementing the breastplate of righteousness in our lives, putting it on, but also to ask the Lord for his inspiration to pursue righteousness in our lives. Amen. Lord, thank you. We come to you in the name of Jesus and we're so thankful for the righteousness you have given us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We accept that we receive that Lord. It is the means by which we are saved and it is our, it is our, the reason why we can uh, await heaven and have the hope of heaven because Jesus has paid for our sins. So we thank you for that righteousness that you have given us uh, by his shed blood and by us accepting that and asking you to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But Lord, we also ask for inspiration today to yes, walk Lord. in righteousness yes, for everybody Lord. that would agree with us today. I pray that you would remind us in our day-to-day walk when we're driving, when we're walking down the hall, when we're at home, when we're at work, remind us to set our affection on you and to process things with you and through you and in prayer, Lord, to to spend time in your word, inspire us to spend time in your word, inspire us to spend time worshiping you to shut the door for 60 seconds or five minutes or turn off the radio for 60 seconds or five minutes and just put our mind and our thoughts on you god because we want to pursue you we want to seek first the kingdom of god and your righteousness because we know that as a result of that all these things will be added unto us anything we could ever pursue that's of any type of lasting value uh, is is gained by pursuing you first, God, because you are the only thing that ultimately matters, but you love us so much that you care that we also receive blessings and other things that, that refresh us and uh, give us joy and satisfaction in, our, in these earthly lives that we're living. So we ask for inspiration today, Lord, and I pray also that you'd remind us to put on the armor uh, and the other pieces we've talked about. So we pray these things, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. I just want to remind everybody um, that if this has pricked your heart and you've been walking in chronic sin without repentance, today is the first day of the rest of your life. The blood never loses its power. The lie that you have done so much sinning, past, present, or you think about the future, and that you cannot repent and turn your heart toward the Lord today and confess your sins and ask him to cleanse you from all unrighteousness is a lie. Jesus said in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man or woman hears my voice, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. That means he wants to have intimate relationship with you. I don't care if you murdered a hundred people. I don't care whatever you have done that Satan is lying to you right now. It's too bad. You can never be redeemed. 
That is a strategy of the enemy to convince you that you cannot be saved, go to heaven, and have a fruitful life from this point forward. I cast down that lie in Jesus' name in people's minds that are thinking of it. I come against you, Satan, on their behalf in the strength of where I am, that I may not be as wounded or walking in chronic sin like someone who's listening. We stand in the gap for them like Nehemiah on the wall and command the, the negative forces of Satan to go in Jesus' name. Give them the faith and the grace to open their heart right now to this word and this truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for joining us today on the Totally Transform podcast. We have one more piece of the armor, and we're going to get to that next week. Mm-hmm.